Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi. And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted side of pink. Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters, the ESW, J, Tempest, Brianna Lynn, Daddy J, Fabe, Embers, William P, Lady, Claire, Savage Heart, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Good Girl, Lady Blooding, Blue Aries, and Sea Dog 87. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters get special audio and video episodes. And finally, patrons at our highest tier will be recognized as producers, both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. On a more serious note, we're going to try to be serious here. We probably should. We can be serious. We can um, sometimes. We, we have to put in a lot of effort to be serious, but <laughs> I think this is one of those times. This one's going to hurt. Yeah. But but I'm a masochist, so yay! <laughs> and I guess I'm into humiliation, so that'll do it for me, too. <laughs> okay, we're already not being serious. No, we're not. Okay, start. We should, we should probably start with, like, this entire episode is going to be one big trigger for some people, so be careful. Yeah, if you, um, there's certain things we'll be discussing that are big trigger warnings, and we'll let you know in advance. So if you need to fast forward or just skip this episode in its entirety... We will take no offense. Yeah, we will. Okay. Dara will take offense. I will not. Okay. So basically what we want to talk about in this episode is the difficulty in accepting your own kinks. We've been talking a lot about that recently. It's come up a few times in our Discord chat. We've seen it on various social media platforms and we decided to reach out and get other people's opinions and other people's experiences to incorporate into this episode. Yeah. So if, if you're one of those people who is struggling with accepting some specific kinks you have, that's okay. And you know what? That's normal. And don't beat yourself up about the fact that you're having difficulty accepting that kink. Oh, so many people do. In fact, I think it's almost a rite of passage in BDSM. You start out with kind of like, I don't like that. And then you're like, oh, shit, I like that. Yeah. Why do I like that? Oh my God, what's wrong with me? There's actually a TikTok or specifically kink talk trend where they have the sound of, do I like that? Why do I like that? I guess I like that. So it, it's actually kind of appropriate for this. Yeah. So we want to talk about our own personal kinks and then we have some other people's. We have people that wrote into us and sent us messages that we're going to read for them. Right. We have some people who were kind enough to call in to our special voicemail system and leave us their stories. And we thank them for that. You will see a lot of these people prefer to remain anonymous. And that's because it is very difficult sometimes, especially if you have some more extreme kinks. Definitely the more extreme. You know, if, if you yourself who is into it have difficulty accepting, then you're very concerned and worried about other people having difficulty accepting. For sure. 
Rara, would you like to start us off with your story? Yeah. Uh, for me, the kink that I have the most difficulty accepting, and I still have difficulty accepting, is being a masochist. And in fact, for me, it probably took me at least two to three years of being in the lifestyle before I would even use the term masochist. I am actually surprised by that. Well, if you think about it, I enjoy people hurting me. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? That I, I, not only do I enjoy people hurting me, I encourage it. I ask them for it. I want them to hurt me. I want them to make me bleed. Yeah, That's well, got to be something. You think I'm crazy. So, I, I do, yeah. So well, it's not surprising that I think I'm crazy. Um, And it's just, there's so many assumptions along with that label of masochism. And we'll talk about labels in a whole nother episode because that's a separate thing. That's its own category. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I sometimes in the middle of a scene will just kind of jokingly say to my top, to, my, to the audience, to myself, why do I like this? Why are you hurting me? Why, why are you hurting me and why am I enjoying it? Kind of gives you a bit of an existential crisis, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, I was raised to be a strong, independent woman. If you know me, I, I'm kick-ass lady who takes no prisoners. I also joke that the princess part is real. I mean, I am I am bedazzled, bedecked, and pinkified. All the, the time. time. And so the fact that somebody who is so into that side wants to be hurt and hurt to the point of blood makes no sense to me. I'm very fortunate, blessed and privileged, and I'm well aware of it. I don't have your more common mental health issues that many people in the lifestyle have. I am not depressed. I do not have ADHD. I do not have anxiety at all. <laughs> no. No. So I, I, why the fuck do I like this shit? What the hell is wrong with me that I do? So maybe that is your mental disorder. You're a worry wart. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Isn't that a form of anxiety? You just worry about shit that you probably shouldn't? No, we just call that being Jewish. <laughs> You fucked it up. We were supposed to be serious on this episode. I can't be serious. That's a hard limit for me. <laughs> I want to start with our first entry to our little our little ask, you know, when we ask people to start giving us information. Our, li our little confession. Our little confession. This first one is anonymous. We said most of these are actually anonymous. This one says, I'm currently at peace with my kinks. But before that, I was deeply ashamed of what I wanted to do to other people. I rejected all of it. I'm a very gentle soul with an even bigger sadistic part in it. I didn't want to hurt anyone, but I knew I would enjoy it. I even created a sort of other personality to escape from the fact that those were my needs. It's not really a personality per se. More like a mental box, I threw all of my sexual deviancy and anger in and locked it away. I even gave it a name. I wanted to get rid of it so bad, but I just couldn't and I kept coming back to it. It was a sad part of my personal development. And about a year ago, I discovered the community with all the rules, safety, consent, practices. It felt like I belonged here and I researched the hell out of everything I could possibly find. I am now free of all guilt and fears regarding my sexual preferences. Yeah, I mean, I have a sadistic side to me too. It's not as strong as my masochistic side. But to know that you enjoy hurting people, that's, that is hard to wrap around. And especially 
for men who are raised, don't hurt women. Don't hurt women. Yeah, that's got to be super difficult. That I that I understand because it's. I would think their their mindset would be, am I am I an abuser? Exactly. You know, and that's why consent is so important because that's how you wrap your head around this. You just keep reminding yourself that the person said yes, the person consented, the person wanted to, but it's really struggles. Um, somebody else who felt the same way was my dear Papa Bear LV from TikTok. Adore him. If, you, if you're on TikTok, you need to follow Papa Bear. He's amazing. And he responded that certain edge place for sure. Sometimes I look at myself and ask, what the hell is wrong with you? That's not healthy. Right. Yeah, I, I can I can see where he's coming from with that. It's difficult. I mean, do you identify in the sadistic role at all? Me? Yes. Sort of, but it's not it's not the kind that you do. Right. Because we discussed before in a previous episode the de- the the difference between sadism and cruelty is the mental aspect of it and I'm definitely more in the aspect of the cruelty. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I like feminization or I think this was it feminization or there was, there was a different term yes. for it. I don't remember anymore, but it was, I like the humiliation aspect of it. I like doing it to someone who doesn't necessarily want it done. If they want it done, it ruins it for me. Yeah. It can be slightly sadistic, but I don't go out and, you know, beat people. Yeah, I do that's the my mental job. side yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things that I try to do as, as the bottom in those situations, I am constantly praising my top. And letting them know throughout the scene how much fun I'm having, how much I love it, so that I can hopefully appease that that guilt that they might have that, oh my God, I'm hurting her. Right. So, and I hug them afterward and thank them and tell them what a wonderful time I had. So at least they know I'm not angry. I'm happy. I loved it. I consented to it. And, And just to give them a little hopeful, hopefully peace that what they did is okay and it was good on the other side of that though is being the masochist yeah so that's another difficult thing it's what you just talked about right this person says that being a masochist was what they had the most trouble with as well just like rara i grew up being a tomboy i've always been kind of rough and tumble kind of girl played in the dirt caught snakes lizards frogs Ew. Okay. Uh, you know, okay, I know you don't like snakes, <laughs> but listen. Sorry. I'll keep my on this one I'll keep my opinions to myself. Right? Don't kink shame. She likes snakes and lizards and frogs. I'm not kink shaming, I'm snake shaming. Okay. Well, you still keep that opinion to yourself. Thank you. <laughs> I happen to like snakes, so you know, F you. I've dated a few, but that's a whole okay. other story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so played in the dirt, caught snakes, lizards, frogs, and was always coming home with scrapes and bruises that I would show off and be proud of. I never thought of pain as pleasure, though. I thought of pain as UTIs and kidney stones, and I don't like those things. As somebody who suffers from chronic kidney stones, there is nothing pleasurable about that pain. As someone who previously suffered from chronic UTIs, fuck that. Yeah. Which is why you don't do cucumbers, right? Leave the cucumber out of it. If I can't judge the snake, you can't judge the cucumber. Oh, yes, I can judge the cucumber. <laughs> I will be judging that one forever. <laughs> See, we can't be serious. Sorry, we'll try. We'll try. So she says, so I thought I was a wimp when it came to pain until one night at a party with some friends. 
we were all drinking and having fun. And one of my buddies jokingly smacks my ass. And I was like, is that all you got? <laughs> and he said, oh, honey, no. Is that a challenge? Of right? course, it's a yeah. challenge accepted right there. So I stuck my ass out and was like, prove it. I like this, whoever it is. This is a brat. And I, I love yes. him. <laughs> this is a funny brat. Not that I want to deal with the brat. I just like the entertainment value of watching the show. Yeah. I think that's this is some, see, I'm, I don't typically identify as a brat, but I would do this. I think in a heartbeat. Funny. Let's see. They go on to say he did leave a handprint bruise on my ass that lasted for over a week. That was my first taste of impact and I liked it and I felt bad for liking it. So I shoved it down for like 15 years and I'm just now accepting and exploring it again. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we raise ourselves, our, our children to believe that you should never let anybody hurt you. And yet as a masochist, we're letting people hurt us. We're asking for people to hurt us. We want people to hurt us. And whether, and it really doesn't matter the reasons why, you know, some people, some masochists I know, they take the level of pain they take for their partner. Right. They want to please their partner. I know some masochists who take the level of pain they do because it turns them on sexually. For me, I take the level of pain I do because it's a challenge. So and it's, it's you bratting and being like, Prove it's it. bratting to myself. <laughs> That's <laughs> a new one. Isn't that weird? Uh, it's basically, it's as I, I always liken it to a marathon runner. I run this far, I can run further next time. So it's just really, it's a hard one to wrap around. And I know for some people, they may have already reached that stage where they've, where they're okay with it now and they don't struggle. And I wouldn't say that I struggle as much as I still question. I still will question what the fuck is wrong with me that I want people to hurt me and hurt me a lot. And then I feel guilty sometimes that I'm asking people to do that. Like I am putting that, that pressure on you that you will now have to struggle with the fact that you've hurt me, which is why, as I said, I bend over, ah, I bend over ass backwards. Ha, I'm funny. <laughs> Robert, this is a serious episode. I told you, I, it's a hard limit for me to be serious. All right. I bend over ass backwards to reassure them and make them understand. So you bend over bass backwards? That's true. I do. <laughs> we actually have another story from somebody who prefers to remain anonymous. And their story is that they are submissive and they've had trouble accepting that they also have dom tendencies. She said, I have always liked Dom-related kinks, but never saw myself in the driver's seat. That was until I met this guy. Like you do. It's always a guy, right? The first time that I talked to him, I knew he was submissive. It was odd because he said he was dominant, but I felt submissiveness in him with some of the things that he said. And come to find out as we talked, he was a switch. Okay, so that's interesting. A lot of times people will, if they find certain people that they have more dominant tendencies with, then they'll automatically switch with that person. Yeah. I mean, I am a very dominant personality, but with the right person, I can very much be submissive. So it, it's not un that unheard of. All right. So our story continues. I obviously found it odd that I was able to identify these things in him. And after telling him about how I feel about some of my interests in dom-related things, I find that he likes me enough to want to be dominated by me. Up until this point, I think the thing holding me back from domination is that I didn't think anyone would ever view me as a dominant in any way. I am a small, petite female, and I don't view myself as very commanding. Okay, I'm going to pause right there. It Rara, wasn't me. As a small, petite female, do you view yourself as commanding? I do, 
But then I have, we have our one friend, Jim, who always makes fun of me and he compares me to like those little yap yap dogs. <laughs> oh my God, you're a chihuahua. You're the most dominant thing in the room, but you're also so small you can be stepped on. Pretty much. Well, but and we always make fun, right, of those little yapper dogs because they think they're hot shit. <laughs> yeah. And then the big dogs like Great Danes are always the sweetest, most cuddly things. And you're like, oh shit. Wait a minute. You're a bug. Yeah, pretty much. All right, continue. I'm sorry. I had That's to okay. I can't that, even disagree. It just reminded me so much of you right there. I cracked up. <laughs> but I swear this isn't me. You promise? I, I swear. Okay. Well, well yeah, no. this person's shy and you're not. Exactly. <laughs> okay, definitely not you. All right. So her story continues. However, now that I'm able to be open to the idea of dominating a guy that views me as dominant, I see myself doing things that I never thought I'd be able to do. I feel like you can never underestimate the confidence you can achieve from finding the right partner. The thing I learned about being dominant is not about being able to dominate, but finding someone who is turned on by you in a way that makes them feel submissive. If someone feels submissive by just talking to you and interacting with you, more than half of the journey is complete. I still have major confidence and performance issues because I've spent years being a submissive, but finding someone who supports me and wants to help make me feel more confident in myself is the best thing for me right now. Though I know this whole dominance thing makes me feel disgusting. I think I feel that way because I feel like being aggressive is a feeling that I have tried to shun and hide away in myself. But finding the freedom to have someone have faith in me has opened me up to fantasize about dominating and to come up with things that I like and I want to try. And to be honest, I'm not so sure I like being in control. But what I have found that I like about doming is the fact that they are willfully feeling submissive for me, not having to do anything other than just be myself. I think that one is interesting because they're still struggling with it. Yeah. It's it's a constant struggle. Some of these things, you know, we still struggle with. I mean, Rara talked about how she still struggles with being a masochist to this day. Yep. You know, just because you accept it in yourself doesn't mean that you still don't have some struggles. Right. You know, reading her story, one of the things that that caught my attention is she feels aggressive when she's in the dominant position. And I find that interesting. I know when I'm in the dominant position, I feel controlling. Right. Yeah. But I don't feel aggressive. I'm more, I wouldn't say aggressive. I'm more of the one that just, I expect this to be done. Yeah. And I'll sit there. I actually get very, very patient. And I'll just sit there and wait and wait and wait and look at you. <laughs> like you're looking at me now? Yeah, I'm practicing. Go ahead. Keep trying. Let me know how well that works for you. We're going to be here for a few more hours, folks. At least. We're having a staring contest <laughs> right now. Because I'm a stubborn fuck. I know. Well, this is not a competition. <laughs> Ross, so. That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to continue with our current episode. Yes. Oh, because our next one, I am so fascinated by oh this God, one. Oh, my God, me too. When we were looking for people to have these responses for, as soon as this person messaged me, I was like, oh, I got to talk to you. Yeah. I got to talk to you. This fascinates me. And I remember, this was just the other day, I was talking to this person online, and we were doing a voice chat in our Pink Kink server, and I was telling people about it and every one of them was like, oh my God, ask this question for me, will we you? We were so fascinated and in fact, so fascinated, we're going to have to make this an entire episode at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. This person gave me a couple of contacts that I'm, I'm going to try and talk to. 
But um, enough with the suspense. Should we tell them what the kink is? It's, it's a very interesting kink, and it's one that I only heard of once in my entire life. I did not actually know this was a thing? as prolific as oh, it yeah. is. It's a feeding slash fat fetish. Now, I knew that the fat fetish existed because I've dated guys with it because, you know, rolls and thick thighs and big tits. They like, it, you know, mm-hmm. I've dated those. The feeding fetish is the one that I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So this one is really interesting. And I think we're going to have to do an entire episode on it. This person says, I have a feederism slash fat fetish. It involves helping a partner gain a substantial amount of weight so they can be very fat. Emphasis on the very. It's generally 250 to 600 pounds. The issues here should be obvious. When I first found the kink, I was fine with it, feeling extremely comfortable in taking my wildest fantasies as perfectly reasonable, and they would fit perfectly in reality. Then, as I got older, finding out more and more about health, I would have to take these fantasies with a grain of salt. Then I found the documentaries on this kink. Oh, there's documentaries on Well, the documentaries are in quotes. Ah, okay. So I'm not entirely sure that it's real documentaries or if it's like media versions of documentaries, like My 600 Pound Life. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that a documentary. Right. These shows focus on some of the most extreme cases, finding the strangest people in the kink as possible and painting them in an almost freak show style. They framed it as more or less abusers emotionally using damaged people with food addictions for their own sexual desires. There was a YouTuber who had a past relationship with a feeder, one who feeds the gainer in the relationship, and had the kink forced upon him. This interview, as well as documentaries and numerous comment sections and subreddits, did nothing but confirm this self-loathing I had for being in this kink. Fortunately, though, I managed to find communities with the kink that are far more complex and open than I could have thought. There was an emphasis on the feedies, that's the person who gets fat, agency, body autonomy, and health. They presented ways of gaining that didn't just involve guzzling soda and fast food. There are ways where the health risks are mitigated. There is an acceptance of the risks, but also a desire to be sexually authentic. Because of this, I am far more sexually comfortable and happy with myself. I actually really enjoyed this one because I love that they found a way to still do what they love, but mitigate the risks and make it the least uh, harmful that it could be. And I, I actually had a conversation with this person and they were talking about the the person in that documentary that they found, the one where the feederism fetish was forced on him. Mm-hmm. It was a person with a more extreme version of that fetish. They they called it. So this this is going to sound bad, and it sounds kind of funny in my head. And I think I got this wrong, but Death Eater, who Harry death, Potter, Death Feeder, maybe. <laughs> I think it was Death Feeder, but in my brain, it's Death Eater. Well, yeah. And it was to the point where they wanted this person to be so unhealthy and so big that they ended up in the hospital. Oh, wow. That is wrong. Yeah. That is an abuse of kink. Even in my opinion, even if the other person consents to it, I, I don't I don't view that as okay. No. 
So the way this person told me about it, the way they they work it out and the way the community that they're in works it out is they don't go that route. That's that's far too extreme. But there are models in this fetish. Really? It's something about the softness of the fat is what they said. Okay. And I find that utterly fascinating. This whole thing is just... It's so well, especially because it goes against everything you typically see in society. Well, where now, yeah. Where the thin is revered mm-hmm. and you are somehow less sexually desirable if you well, have roles. Well, think about it, though. Who's, whose asses are like the, the hotness right now? It's the big ones, right? Yeah. Who is it? Rih- Does Rihanna? It, it, well, it's the Kardashians. It's the Okay, yeah. I, I, it was somebody, some celebrity made this super popular, but you know, wait, you know, 200, 300 years ago in the Renaissance, it was the, it was the women with the big bellies that were the yeah. hotness. So shit changes. It does. But I, I just, I need, now I need to learn more about this kink. So we, I absolutely we, do. We have added it to our to-do list for episodes. Yeah, and uh, I'll talk about this when we hit this episode, but the one and only time I ever saw this previously was in an episode of Bones. Oh, I'm sure I've seen it. I love that you, show. You probably did. I, I've seen literally every single episode. Okay. So I've well, seen I'll, it. I'll show you, I'll tell you which episode it is and you can go back and watch it because that was the only time I ever heard of this. All right. So moving on. Our next kink we're going to talk about is CNC and rape. So I want to offer a very strong trigger warning to this. We're going dark, guys. We're going to really, and we will be serious here because this is a serious subject. Uh, So please, if this is something that will trigger you, avoid it. Skip ahead. End the episode now. Whatever you need to do to protect yourself, please. We'll give them a minute to walk away. All right. Our first anonymous kinkster says that their ultimate fantasy is to have their partner come into the house in the middle of the night while they are asleep and just have his way. Like full on hold me down, hand over my mouth type stuff. I casually mentioned it to my current partner, but did not go into full details. I'm not exactly sure why I even want this. So this is someone who is still struggling with this. Yeah. This kink. Yeah. Second one says the kink I'm into is rape play. Not sure what other people call it, but that's how I call it. There are some nights when I lie awake after the play is done and I think to myself, what the fuck is wrong with me? I was raped, sexually assaulted, and done sex work multiple times when I was a child leading into my teen years. To this day, I still get flashbacks of my sexual assaults. It confuses me why I would even want to be a part of this kind of play or scene. Part of me thinks I'm okay with doing this because this time I have control of my body and I trust my partner. I am so embarrassed to tell people to tell anyone because I know the backlash I could get from expressing my sexual desires. They'll look at me like I'm a monster or why would you ever want to do something like that knowing what sexual assault survivors go through? It's very closeted subject and a very touchy one, it seems. Yeah, it's... I've heard multiple people talk about using this form of play to process their own sexual assaults. There's actually a conversation happening right now on Kink Talk where people are trying to explain why they enjoy this kink and there are other people who are arguing with them. And one kinkster in in particular, Penny Love, she's wonderful. 
she made a very valid point. This particular kink, I think more than any others, there will be people who will never accept it. They will never understand it. And you could talk till you're blue in the face trying to explain why you are into this and you will never change their mind. Nope, not at all. And and it's okay. Each person's point of view is valid in this instance. I don't understand how this could help somebody who's been through a sexual assault, but I accept that it does. I mean, you have your own story. I do. This is when I said we're going dark, people, because this is my own personal story of sexual assaults. So here we go. My first husband. So I'm actually on my third one right now. I know a few people didn't really realize that. but Third time's the the charm. Third time is definitely the charm. God love him. He is amazing. He's everything I ever wanted. So anyway, so the first one didn't last very long. Turns out no one wanted me to marry him. Long story short, he was abusive. He didn't punch me in the face or anything, but there were other kinds of abuse, as everybody knows. There's emotional, there's verbal, there's mental. It doesn't always have to be a punch to the face. Right. All of that. But one night we were out with some friends. I got drunk and to the point where I couldn't get up the stairs of our of our townhouse. So he was helping me up the stairs, you know, like basically hauling me up by my pants to get me up these damn stairs. And we end up in the spare room and he goes, hey, you want to fool around? And I I was drunk. My drunk ass was like, yeah, I'm making out. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do it. I ended up basically he raped me. I was so surprised that I was like, wait, what the hell is happening? I don't remember getting to that point. And I will say that it was it was anal rape. And I screamed, yell, all of that jazz when I realized what was happening. And he didn't stop. And then when he was done, that's when he stopped. And, you know, all of, I'm not getting into so many details. That was it. Left him, obviously. Nothing. Nothing could have. Nothing could change your mind. That he was a, be go- a good guy at this point. But my, my thing is, I do have a kink now for CNC. Giving and receiving. I had a partner who had the same issue. Was actually a male partner was actually tied to a bed, you know, ready for some kinky sex. And his female partner put on a strap on and also anally raped him. Uh, So we basically had the same issue. And when we found each other, we decided that's what we were going to take back. Good for you. No one was going to hold that over us anymore. And I don't know about him because I kind of lost contact with him a number of years ago. But as for me, I still do have mental issues and scars from this. But I'm better with it now. And a lot of it has to do with working through that with a partner who had the same issue. And we literally, I shit you not, once a week did this for about four months. That seems to be the common theme for a lot of people, the taking back of the power. And 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 that was it. And that's why they liked it because it became about their choices Mm -hmm. and their consent. And knowing that the other person will stop if you say the word like this is why we have safe words in in any situation you have a safe word this one especially i know there are some people who say what's the point in having a rape scene if no if you have a safe word and they stop that's up to you and your partner i know some people don't believe in that but i know for me and for the partner that i had for this we did have a particular safe word and that was the end all be all stop this right now it's gone too far we never actually hit that because we are very, very careful, mm-hmm. but it, it does happen. And for me, I still don't like having my arms pinned above my head. I, I can't, I cannot deal with that. If it's like 
if I'm on my back and I've got one uh, one person holding my arms above my head, I no, I will that's freak out. That's an absolute trigger for you. That's a 100% trigger and I tell that to everybody. But I do like, I am an auditory person. I like hearing the other person. I like the screaming. I don't know why. It's weird to me and I still struggle with that, but I am a lot better with understanding that the reason I have this kink and the reason I like to be the quote victim in this is because I can stop when I want, God damn it, and no one's going to stop me this time. I actually, uh, somebody else who gave us their own issues shared some good information that maybe will help explain it. This person wrote, I have a home intruder CNC fantasy. And that has not always been something I've accepted about myself. I haven't told my vanilla spouse about it. As a feminist and someone who has experienced non-consensual sexual advancement and acts, it has always baffled me about why I find it exciting to pretend. I wasn't aroused or excited when it happened non-consensually. So why would recreating a negative experience be arousing? Great question. Right? (laughs) Well... This person said they came to find out from a dear friend of theirs who has their master's in gender and sexuality studies that it is actually a way that their body and mind has chosen so that they can feel safe right now. Sexual harassment and unwanted advances is an almost unavoidable part of the feminine presenting person's life. And my brain's response to it happening to me was, ha, well, what if I actually like it? Joke's on you. And that's a totally normal response. And I shouldn't shame myself for having a totally normal human response. As long as I have a safe way to explore that feeling with another consenting adult, there's no harm in it. I refuse to continue to view myself as messed up for being human. Well put. Yeah. Thank you, anonymous person, for whoever that is, because that was damn good. Yeah. And I I think that's important. It is when you are sexually assaulted. It means your control has been taken away. You have lost all control. All power. And one of the ways to deal with that is to take it back, to take your power and your control back. Yep. We talk a lot about when somebody does something that hurts you, don't give them the power to hurt you anymore. Do not let them have that power. And I think in these instances, this is exactly what it is. You are taking away their power to hurt you and you are taking control and power back. You know, it's really interesting you you mentioned punching because this might be slightly off topic, but hey, it's us. <laughs> Truth. Right? When it came to impact, I didn't like punching. To me, punching was what crossed the line into abuse. I don't know why it was a mental thing in my head. If you hit me with a paddle, that's fine. We're playing with a quote unquote toy. Okay. But if you take your hand, make a fist and punch me, now that's abuse. But I knew people who loved it and said, if you like thuddy, you would love punching. So I actually started with a female top because in my mind, I'd be less likely to be abused physically by a female than a male. You know, it's whatever makes you comfortable. You got to start with whatever makes you comfortable. And I had her punching me behind my ass only because then I couldn't see it. So that would take away the mental part of it. I didn't know it was coming. Okay. And I learned to love the sensation. So I could take this, I could take away the sensation, which felt damn good. If you like thuddy, punching is fun with the mental point of somebody's taken a fist and made it. Now to this day, I can handle punching now in the front. You can punch my breasts. You can punch my thighs. And I'm totally okay with that because I've worked past it. I do not allow myself to be punched in the face or even slapped in the face. 
And I know there are people who love it. Yeah, weirdly enough, I like being right? slapped in the face. But to me, once you slap my face, now it's abuse. It's no longer consensual BDSM. That's, that's the line. And okay. that's that's for me the line in the line in the sand for whatever reason. And everybody is gonna have their line. Everybody has a line. We have another person who submitted for this that said, as an adult, I am a mama bear when it comes to looking out for my people. In college, I was the president of a sorority and always watched over my girls and preached to them to always be vigilant and aware of their surroundings and make good choices. I'm a very protective person. I'm the same way when I go out with my team now. No matter how drunk I get, I'm always looking out for them and will absolutely cock block for them if they are not in a consent-able state. I like that term. So for me to desire being taken against my will is weird. Like really bizarre and damn near impossible to integrate into my idea of who I feel I should be. If that makes any sense, do you know, does that, right, it does. does that work for you? Okay. Also, I'm very serious about saying what you mean and words having meaning. So when I say something, I mean it. And when I want to be taken seriously... So there's a part of me that struggles to say no when I don't mean it. Part of me is afraid he'll take me seriously and stop when I don't want him to, even though we've talked about it. So her struggle is during the scene, she's fake saying no, don't stop all of that good stuff. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to stop. And she's like, no, I didn't safe word. Keep going. And it breaks the spell. Mm -hmm. That's one of those instances where, you know, in my impact scenes, no is a safe word. It works for me, but this would have to be pre-negotiated. Oh, yeah. If I say no, that's not the safe word. I need to say red, pineapple, whatever. Pineapple. That seems to me the one vanilla's always come up with then they think of safe words. I'm not sure why. Okay. So one of my safe words way, 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 way back in the day was, um, okay, I'm a huge nerd for this, but the word was onomatopoeia. Yeah. Okay. Because who the fuck comes up with that? It in- doesn't come out natural. Right. Garbage, right. It is not a word that you say in normal conversation. Yeah. And I wanted something that was so out there that no one could mistake it. I actually, I have, I have a question for our listeners that I would like for them to be able to answer. It seems that all of these CNC fantasies are women who, or, or people who identify as feminine who want to be taken against their will. And I am curious about the male identifying people who either have the fantasy to have their their consent taken against their will or have the have the fantasy to do it. So if you fall into that category, when we start promoting this episode and we have put out graphics on it, I would love it if you responded to that or sent us a message and let us know because I'm I'm really curious. You want to talk about difficulty accepting a fantasy that you have? I can only imagine that somebody who is male identifying who has this fantasy, that would be even more difficult because let's face it, sadly enough, female presenting people get sexually assaulted a lot. Um, yeah. Right. And it is more, I don't want to say acceptable because that's not the right word. It is more understandable. And when it happens. It's more society. It's, it's socially. Right. We under, well, we also understand because we don't need to be wet. Let's let's call physics. We don't need to be wet to be raped. There's a hole and a dick or any other object can be forced into it, whether or not you are lubricated. While those who have a dick, you got to make it hard in order for it to work. And as 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 much as we know, it can be made hard against your will. And it has nothing to do with consent just because you have a hard on. 
uh, I would imagine though there's still those who are like, well, you got hard. I mean, we know there are those oh, the, idiots. The stigma is right. massive. We know the idiots who say, well, you were wet. Because again, it's just a physical response. We have no control over it. And the same goes for right. Day. But it's even more so not as talked about and not as accepted. So I know that a lot, and and of course, then anal sex with men is frowned upon and looked upon. It's just not as accepted yet. So I would be very curious how difficult it would be for those people who have that kind of a fantasy to accept it about themselves. Well, it's unfortunate that my former partner who I did this with uh, is no longer available because I think he would have been a good one for it. This week's episode is sponsored by an incredibly talented photographer, Jay Yee. Jay offers a wide variety of vanilla photo shoots such as headshots, conventions, weddings, family photos, dating profile photos, proposals, and more. Rara and I have known Jay for years, and when his clients have given permission, we've been able to see some of his photos. And wow, we are amazed at how he is able to capture a moment in time that shows the joy and beauty of the people in the photo. I remember seeing some maternity shots that he did, and the mother was glowing. I can only imagine how it will feel to look back on those photos years from now and remember the excitement she felt that was so clearly captured in the photos. But what's so cool about Jay is he is a kinkster himself, so he also offers amazing kink photos. He can do solo shoots, such as boudoir photos, or couple shoots, like a collaring ceremony. Maybe you want professional shots of your scenes, like rope suspension. If you have an idea, Jay can probably make it happen. He works throughout the Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. areas, but he's also willing to travel to some parts of West Virginia. You can reach out to Jay to discuss your photo needs either through his website at www.jyphoto.com. That's J-Y-I-P-H-O-T-O.com or even through FetLife. His handle is ISO800. And if you visit his website, which we will list in the show notes, you can see some of his beautiful work. So if you need someone to help you capture those once-in-a-lifetime moments, check out jyephoto.com. That is the end of the CNC rape talk. So if you are back with us, thank you. And hopefully we haven't triggered anybody. Uh, we probably did. Right. But. but now we're about to talk humiliation and degradation. Much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> But again, so this is your trigger warning. If humiliation and degradation is an issue for you, is a trigger for you, that's what we're going to talk about now. This next story for humiliation and degradation is from a dear friend of ours, and she's going to talk about how it was a little difficult for her at first and then how she kind of grew to accept that. A great example is definitely like my humiliation thing, which is both as a giver and a receiver. I very much enjoy being humiliated and humiliating people. But when I first got involved in the scene, especially as a receiver, you know, I feel like there are barriers to humiliating someone else, mainly the fact that, you know, there's a pretty thin line, I think, in general with that kind of kink play between being abusive in a way that someone appreciates and then just feeling like you're being like a a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like you're just being mean just to be mean. So that in and of itself came with some issues. But realizing that that I like to be humiliated as someone who considers myself very confident, very like self-assured you know when I first kind of started to think that that was a thing I might be interested in there was a lot of like 
low-key shame, you know, like why would I want to be degraded or treated that way or humiliated? And like, what did that say about me? You know, and kind of like that worry that like, if that's something I'm into, like, does that make me like less of a woman? Does that make me like less of a confident, like in charge kind of person? Like if I do enjoy that, like, how can I claim to be like X, Y, Z, you know, how can I claim to be a dominant woman? How can I claim to be a top? How can I claim to enjoy those kind of things? If it's, if on the other side of things, I like to be like put in my place, you know what I mean? And so for me, part of that journey was a seeing lots of really fantastic, amazing people who are confident in themselves, own their kink, own their personalities, like own their life and their lifestyle, doing those kind of things and seeing that no one, or at least no one that mattered, thought anything of it or, you know, that didn't make them less to anybody in the scene or anybody around us, you know? Because I think that was definitely one of my worries is being looked at as like less of something for like wanting that kind of thing, you know? So that was like a big step, just seeing that like no one around us like thought that was weird or took any kind of, had any kind of feelings about that. And secondly, was honestly like the, the biggest thing for me was just like doing it. You know what I mean? Like step taking that step like out of myself and actually allowing that to happen and realizing how good it made me feel how good it made my partners feel, how kind of freeing it was to like let go of those like expectations I had for myself, even if only for a moment to kind of embrace a different side of myself. You know, because at the end of the day, like I think with anything, any of the kinky things we're into in some way, shape or form can be misconstrued or taken a certain way. But at a certain point, you have to kind of realize like no one else's opinions matter. And like, as long as it makes you feel happy and confident, and as long as you enjoy it, does it really matter if someone else thinks weird? Like, I'm sure there are people in, in the scene and outside of the scene who do think less of me for liking this, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But like, do I care? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? So having to like, let go of that, giving a shit what other people thought or think, I think is really important. Because I mean, like, Anyone can be like, there are things that I'm not into, but I'm sure as hell not judging people for being into them. You know, I'm just not going to do it, you know? So you kind of have to realize that most people feel that way. Like there are plenty of things, even silly things like banking or like having your feet touched that people aren't into that you may be into, you know what I mean? And does it really matter if those people aren't into it or if they think you're weird for liking it? No. I am fascinated by that. So thank you so much for calling in and letting us know. Humiliation and degradation are hard limits for me, but I've wanted to understand why anybody would like that. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people who are into this kink so that I could try to understand it. And I, I've definitely gotten a better sense now for it. It'll still always be a hard limit for me. Right, always. Yeah. They talk a lot about how they're able to let go of it after a scene, that they are very much able to compartmentalize it, that anything you've said to me during the scene, once the scene is over, I know it's not true and it's fine. And for me, I don't think I could let go. I okay, would, I, I, can, would, I can see that. I would still be thinking, oh, they said all these things about me. I know they're saying it's part of the scene, but they must have been thinking it or how else would they have come up with it to use during the scene? So I just can't. But I'm. it is one of those kinks that is not mine, but I am utterly fascinated by Right. On that note, this next person says, I kind of hate that I like the humiliation and degradation stuff, and in some ways, even submitting and serving. It feels anti-feminist. I feel like a hypocrite 
trying to advocate for women's rights and speaking out against male privilege and mansplaining, and then asking for him to degrade, ridicule, and even use fears and vulnerabilities against me. But in reality, but it really does turn me on in the right setting and mind space. Now, I know that's one of your kinks. Yep. And I agree with this person right here. Everything they just said, as a person who can't stand beyond belief, cannot stand the mansplaining, cannot stand being told what to do by another person. I have a daddy dom who tells me what to do and I want him to treat me like a 1950s housewife and make decisions for me. What the fuck? Yeah. See, and for me, it's interesting. There are things that are hard limits for me because I perceive it as humiliation. Like I don't do ball gags. Ball gags to me are a hard limit. I love ball gags. Right? But to me, the reason they're hard limit is because I view them as being humiliating. You've mm-hmm. got, you're not allowed to speak. You've got the drool pouring down your mouth. I just, it isn't, I mean, but that's how come I don't like them. It's not ball gags per se. It's the, the impression of the humiliation that comes with them that makes them a hard limit for me. Yeah. And I just love all of that. Like everything you just said, I'm going, Ooh, yeah. Now I kind of want to bust out my ball gag. We talked about slapping on the face. Yep. To me, that falls under humiliation and degradation. I had an interesting talk with my last Dom where I told him he could not call me slut. That was not my name. It was not my title. I didn't like it. But now if he wanted to make it possessive and I was his slut, I was okay with that because that became a term of endearment Mm. versus humiliation. See, I'll be riding daddy and he'll grab my face and be like, who's my little slut? Come slut. Who's the come slut? And I'll be like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. See, now if he had said, who's my come slut? I'd be okay with it. But calling me just a cum slut, that crosses the line into humiliation, degradation. Isn't that fascinating? It, you know, psychologically, this all is just incredibly fascinating. The human mind is it's, weird and mysterious. It is very weird. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Well, speaking of weird and mysterious, let's start talking about our next kink. Littles! What's fascinating about this is similar to the CNC. There will be people in the lifestyle who will never understand and accept this particular kink. No matter how many times you tell them it's not incest, it's not pedophilia, they will never be able to wrap their heads around this and accept it. So I'm not surprised that people who are into it have a difficult time accepting. This is one that we had so many responses about, we had to cut them. Yeah, this they, one this is, was, was the number one that people struggled with. Oh my God. It was, it was huge. The amount of replies that we got for this, including ourselves. I actually did not have difficulty accepting this because I knew this about myself before I ever discovered it was a kink. Hmm. Long, long before I ever discovered BDSM. We used to joke in my family that I had a teenager living inside my middle-aged body. (laughs) So it wasn't a difficult thing for me to accept once I found out it was a kink, I went, oh my God, that's who I am. This makes sense. I now have a name to call it. So it is for all the things that I've struggled with, this one I never did. But I'm also, I identify as a middle and not as a little. And I wonder if that's part of it. Possibly. Uh, I think I would have a better chance accepting the middle than I ever would have the little. Because so similar to the feeder person, They saw documentaries and media stuff about it that took the extreme and were like, oh, shit, that's gross. Yeah. For me, that was exactly what happened. 
I actually saw on a news story once a girl and her boyfriend, they were featured and the girl was a little and the boy was her, the boyfriend or whatever was the daddy. I don't think they were married yet. So yeah, girl, some girl and her boyfriend. And it was an extreme case of it. They had, you know, the whole room was set up as a little room and there was a crib and she wore diapers and he changed her and all this other stuff. And I went, ew, (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with like, that is some psychologically damaged shit right there. That was my very first reaction. So my brain went, oh, hell no, that's gross. And then when I started realizing, oh, shit, that's you. <laughs> I ran away from it. I was like, absolutely not. Are you effing, are you out your damn mind? No, 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 no. Hell no. Hell to the no. Do you like Disney movies? Well, yeah, but everybody likes Disney movies. Okay, but do you like the older Disney movies that are aimed for teenagers or do you like like the younger cartoon cartoons obviously okay you watch my little ponies yeah so lots of adults watch my little ponies and go to brony con what's your problem do you like crayons and coloring with colored pencils yes there's adult coloring books do you use the adult coloring books or do you do the little kid okay what difference does that make do you have stuffies yeah again what difference does do you have a unicorn backpack or a doggy backpack or a panda backpack and wear your hair in pigtails and sometimes baby talk and have a chewing fetish? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you. Just because you're talking to me inside my head trying to make all this stuff stick doesn't mean I'm a little. I don't like diapers. Okay, honey. That just means you're not into ABDL, but you're a little. Shut the fuck up. So yeah, that was the entire conversation in my head. That I just acted out. Um, I'm still not into ABDL. I still say that my age range is from three to six, old enough to be potty trained. Well, that's good. But young enough that I still can't cross the street by myself. Yeah. And as much as I'm a middle, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, so I'm, I'm not hurting Dar's feelings. She knows this. Things like the sippy cups, the chew toys, the pacifiers, they make me uncomfortable because I'm like, you're a fucking adult. What the hell is your problem? And I have all of that. And Rara knows it. In fact, I have a custom sippy cup. Yep, I do. I, I believe you. Yeah, it's purple. Of course it is. It, yeah. If I, ha- if I was into that, mine would be pink. So yeah. I, I get that. And I have pacifiers. And I have chewies. And I have a bib that I wear at dinner because let's face it, I, I just... Stuff falls down and it gets in my shirt and on my boobs and everywhere. So well, big boob problems. I can't tell you how many times I undress at night and crumbs fall out of my bra. <laughs> it's funnier when popcorn falls out. You're like, oh, that's that- where it went. I knew I dropped it somewhere. <laughs> Our dollar bills <laughs> or your car keys. Dollar bills? What the fuck are you doing? The dollar bills are falling out of your bra. Um, That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> wasn't going to go there. No, I just... I- <laughs> Stuck a dollar bill in my bra once and forgot that it was there, and it came out the next the, that night. And anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm I still wear a bib to dinner. Like Daddy, I've seen I'm, it. Dra- yeah, no, he got up and he got the damn thing because I dropped food like literally out of my mouth too many times. And he goes, "That's it, you're getting the bib." But yeah, and I I I have a lot of little tendencies, and it's gotten worse since I've well worse better. I'm not sure what the word is since I got my daddy. And well, I don't. I'm I cool with it now. Well, I think it's not so much worse or better. It's you have a partner who you can trust enough to dive deeper. Oh, yeah. Because the last one called it disgusting. Yeah. So that wasn't good. No. It's it, as he said. It's one of those kinks that even within the kink community, 
there is so much controversy around it. I have a, a good friend, and I've talked about this before, who I don't want to say I was vetting him to be a daddy. It just kind of was a natural progression of our relationship. And he gave off such huge daddy vibes. He was adamant that that was not a lifestyle he wanted because in his head, this was bibs and bottles and sippy cups. And that was not something he was okay with because in his mind, you're an adult, act like a damn adult. Mm -hmm. He accepted that people did it. It just wasn't something he wanted to be a part of. And I had to explain to him, yeah, some of us identify in this category and we also don't like the bottles, the bibs and the passies. You know, to each their own. Um, So we had this one person who said, being little is a big challenge for me. I can be submissive with a partner, but it takes a lot of trust before I will allow myself to be little. I've been rejected so many times for my littleness, even by supposedly open and kinky players. It's even harder when I'm feeling sexual in that little space, wanting to feel small and innocent and protected while also being touched. Even my more accepting partners have treated this as disgusting. So it's gotten hard for me to say anything about it at all. Preach! Being told you're disgusting because of a kink is probably the worst goddamn thing you can have happen. It just sets you back so much. So we also heard from a listener named Luna. When I first started my journey, I was told several times that I was probably a little or a pet. Based on some stuff I found on Google that mainly pertained to ABDL, which is adult baby diaper lover. I was not a fan. I rejected the idea until one day I went to my niece's birthday party. For whatever reason, I felt really cute and childlike that day. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I, in fact, am a little. I like to cuddle with stuffies, watch Disney shows and wear cute outfits. I'm also realizing that there are even some aspects of pet play I enjoy too. We have another one that responded as middle, maybe? Yeah, they're not. I think they're not sure exactly where they fall on the spectrum. Right. <laughs> Says, I don't think I'm a little. I'm not into sippies, binkies, or blankies, or baby talk. And I, the alliteration here is just getting to me. I, I dig it. Okay. <laughs> but I totally identify with the childlike exuberance and excitement for new experiences, the joy and innocent wonder and passion that comes with youth. I love to be playful and explore and hunt critters. And those are not really considered adulty things to do. This is difficult. In a lot of different ways, especially if I try to put an age on it. It feels creepy. I know it's not like that. And we're both consenting adults. And that's hard to get over. The other part is that I have always felt the need to prove myself by acting older, take care of others, be responsible, tamp down the playfulness and the silliness and be serious in order to be good enough, whatever that means. Yeah, it's it's this is a hard one for a lot of people, even those that recognize themselves as a little, middle, whatever, all falls under little is the generic the, uh, the generic umbrella term. Yeah. My friend Kaidapon is going to talk about what it was like for her first coming into kink and then what it's like struggling to accept her little side. Getting into kink originally was kind of scary for me when it shouldn't have been. Aries introduced me to it all like for my 21st birthday she like tied me and this other guy up in my room we had been eating pizza drinking beer and was like hey look rope you want to get tied up and i was like sure why the fuck not so we got into that my boyfriend at the time came home saw us tied up and i was also blindfolded and i thought it would have been funny but he freaked the fuck out and left on my birthday so after that like Getting into kink was kind of hard, especially with somebody who was super, super, like, closed-minded, super vanilla. 
and you know obviously i got past especially after the breakup and like aries continued to guide me and help me meet other people and see like okay this is a lot more common than than i i thought it was originally because when she did it on her own i was kind of like it's a small little group of no no it's not so i was like oh okay so i'm not just a minority <laughs> like i it's okay to be like this and then further into it being little i always figured that like i always got told by my own mother that i was acting too young for my age so like my mom would always like catch me and be like kai you're you're too old for disney world or you're too old for stuffed animals and and i was like why why the hell why heck even like i think my 24th or 25th birthday she was like you're too old for a cake i'm like excuse me and just like at a certain point i was like you know what no um, but I do still sometimes struggle with it. My little is very selective who they're comfortable around. So I can't shift into little space around anybody, like just anybody. I have to feel safe with that person and trust that they will accept me for me. And if they, if I've gotten like pushback at any point for any other things, then it's not going to happen. It's not going to come out. So I've just taken to being selective with who my, my little side meets. And I obviously won't be as close with somebody that I can't be myself with. I'm comfortable right now when he's around. <laughs> it's like, if we're in public, it's a little eh. Like, I'll, we'll hold hands and we'll still, like, talk to each other the way that we normally talk to each other. But if we're, like, around our friends, it's more normal. We'll, we'll shift a little bit. Mostly because they don't really know our dynamic. It's, yeah. This one's a doozy. It's hard. And it's hard for a, a lot of people in that kink. Very, very hard. It's one of the toughest ones to accept about yourself because you're an adult. You're a goddamn adult. You've struggled really hard to get here. Why would you want to be n- otherwise? Exactly. Let's move on to blood play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I mentioned blood and Rara <laughs> Littles. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> You can take this one, my friend. Okay. Well, I will confess something. I don't struggle with this. I don't struggle with the blood. I struggle. This goes back to that whole masochism and that I want somebody to hurt me to this point. Yeah. I'm the one that struggles with the blood. Yeah. Dara definitely. I definitely. I don't even have this kink, so I don't have to accept it. Yeah. No. Well, yes, you do. You have have to to accept it. You accept it. That's all. I don't have to accept it. To do it. Right. Okay. So this is from somebody else then, since I don't struggle with this. (laughs) This has been fascinating for me since as long as I can remember. I love to read and I've always loved and been drawn to vampire books. Not necessarily vampire romance, just regular fiction. I have fantasized about it quite a bit. And I did have one relationship years and years ago where I actually worked up the nerve to verbalize the possibility of having this desire to partake in a little bit of blood play. And I was immediately shot down and made to feel weird and judged and freakish. That was extremely traumatizing. I still have not experienced this kind of play, but I have been able to talk about it at least without immediate rejection. So less Twilight, more Anne Rice? Possibly. Okay. And and look, I know somebody, I know a few people who identify as vampire as part of their kink. And they do bite and suck some blood. I, I That's not my kink. I don't want to suck anybody's blood. I just want to get hit to the point of blood, and then you can play tic-tac-toe in the blood on my body. The hell? Yeah, I know. But because, again, it's about being pretty. So if you make pretty designs on me with the blood, it's pretty. So for your next party, we should get a set of paintbrushes? I would do that. 
and with blood. Totally. Let, let you be the canvas. Yes, I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. You I heard just, it here first. <laughs> I just participated in Rara's next blood scene. Oh, shit. But here, will you actually participate if we give you a brush? Will you paint? Um, I don't know. I, the, okay, so the concept is a little interesting. I will admit that just because I like painting and it's, I will not finger paint. I accept that. You don't want to touch it. Okay. I will not finger paint. Absolutely. I love finger painting in the bathtub with, you know, the special ones that you put on the walls and everything. But I'll think about so it. So you won't little out by finger painting if it's my blood? No. I'll throw up on you. Would you rather have that? Okay. That is a hard limit. There blood is fine. Vomit. Hard limit. <laughs> no vomit play. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere because there's a kink for everything. I'm sure somebody's got vomit play. And you Red. can't tell me. You can't tell me the feeders. Haven't reached that point if you eat that much, okay, right? That's actually a good question that we'll have to we'll write have to down add that to the, the list. But yeah, so definitely that, no, because I don't like that because that's bulimia. Not if it, not if it's not done on purpose. If you just come on, you've never eaten to the point where your stomach is just so overfull you want to throw up. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've gone out to dinner with you and done that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just eat so much. We're like, oh god, that was so good. Yeah, but yeah. So hey, okay, new topic because yeah, vomit okay. is definitely a red for me as well. All right, well, sorry th- guys, this one. Somebody wrote into this, and I never even considered this, and I love it. This is an interesting thing. So one of the things that I've learned uh, on my time on TikTok is a kink called praise kink. And see, I learned about that one on Reddit. I never heard of it before. It's I hadn't either until this year. It's a huge topic it's right now. It's a big though. one right now. And somebody wrote in, the, her name is Luna. This is a different Luna than the one before. And she said, for, for me... The hardest thing for me to handle is my praise kink. It feels like cognitive dissonance to want to be praised after being raised not to seek recognition and to be humble. Oh, that's tough. Right? I never even thought of that one. Actually, I wonder if that's why they have the praise kink. Because it's something that you were raised not to do. It's kind of like the exhibitionist who was raised to keep their clothes on and be modest. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be the exact opposite of what everything they were raised to do and taught to do growing up. Yeah. I mean, I my motto is do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You don't do it to get recognition. You don't do it to get pat on the back. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So how to compare that with the praise kink of wanting to be recognized and wanting to be appreciated? I mean, for those of us who identify as submissive, let's face it, for many of us, good girl, oh, that's ultimate like, praise. That's like melty pants, you know? It's just <laughs> well, melty underpants. Yeah. And and let me say I said good girl because that's personally me, but obviously non-binary and boys could have their own praise. Praise. But yeah, so it's that's a hard one. That's an interesting one. I don't know how you work around that. See, and for me, the praise is humiliation, which is weird. That's fascinating. So if they humiliate you that oh, so being praised is humiliating. Yes, because it's still actively trying to be humble. So when I get praised for doing something, like, so if daddy praises me for doing something, that's different. That's love language. That's words of affirmation. But if I got praised for singing well in choir or high school, I mean, I made it to state a couple of times. I I was good. When people told me that, I would start to shake. I would back away. I'd be like, okay, no, 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 no. So do you have a praise kink or no? I don't know. I know you have the humiliation. I think I think the praise part is actually part of the humiliation kink for me, which is I think different than a praise kink itself. Yeah, it's slightly different for me. See, I have a praise kink, but I never viewed it as that because I'd never heard the term before. 
it's just words of affirmation or love language for me. Mm-hmm. So knowing I've pleased somebody, being told I've pleased them, that's think, my love language. Okay, so I think the difference between it just being a love language and being a kink is when you said melty pants. Oh, yeah. If you get if you get the tinglies and you're like, oh, I'm a little bit horny now. Okay, yeah, I kind of like this. From being praised, I think that's the difference. Okay. I, I like being told good girl. So yeah, that would, I guess then I technically would have that as a, as okay. a kink. So you know, that's interesting. We need a shrink on here. Uh, you know <laughs> like what? Just- I had somebody say once they would never go through therapy because they don't want to know that much about themselves. Oh, I love and, it. And I kind of feel that way. Like I don't necessarily want need to know why I do what I do because I'm afraid if I find out why, it'll just mess me up. And that's the weird thing. I have to know why. I can pinpoint the exact day that my medical fetish started. Okay. Not telling that story. No, save that. But I can actually do that. Yeah. I just, see, and I'm, I'm, I'm very good about just accepting without knowing why. Nope. I just, this is how and what I am. Nope. Not me. Gotta know, gotta know, gotta know. Okay. Mm. Anyway, moving on. This is another one of Rara's kinks that she doesn't have a story for for this episode because she doesn't have a problem with it. Oh, no, I accept it just fine. She always has accepted it just fine. Can you guess which one it is? I'll it's give not, you a hint. It's not blood play. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's how she starts a party. I think we've discussed that multiple times. <laughs> she just walks in the room. Hey, party started. Whoop, there goes my dress. <laughs> Naked rah-rah running around. It's just so much easier. Less laundry. You don't get overheated. <laughs> no, you just get cold. Yeah, but if I get cold, then somebody offers to warm me up. Okay, that's actually true. Yeah. I'll give you that one. (laughs) It is exhibitionism. So this person said, okay, so being an exhibitionist is something that has been hard to accept growing up in a very conservative kind of environment and community. My family is very religious and very into modesty equals the right way. This is righteous. If you show off your body in any way that it's bad and shameful and evil. Basically, you're tempting those around you to look at you if you show off. It took a long time. It took well into adulthood to overcome the guilt that came with being taught that your body is shameful and trying to enjoy just being in my own body was something that was difficult. I had to work at it. Going through massage therapy school helped, you know, seeing bodies and understanding how the body worked. And I did anatomy courses and that helped just to understand the functions and that everything is natural. This is how people are supposed to be built. And it's supposed to be appealing to the opposite sex and understanding that this is a natural thing to desire and to be desired is what helped me get over that. And I think partly moving away from that community where it was more acceptable and finding communities like this one that is very accepting and non-judgmental is, is amazing. Uh, so to not feel judged when you are feeling sexy, you know, when you're kind of putting yourself out there is, is what's helped just getting out there and, and, and doing it. As a teenager, I enjoyed being sexy. I enjoyed being looked at. I, I noticed when men were watching me and it made me want to experiment with that. And then there's guilt and shame that goes with that. And that eventually, you know, working through all of, all of the, everything is natural did help work through the guilt that came with that. But I enjoy being watched and that comes out 
especially when I drink, which is another thing that will send me to hell, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so when my guard is down, I tend to be more show offy, especially when tequila is involved. That song, Tequila Makes Her Clothes Fall Off, that's me. And I noticed that, and I, I have a tendency to stay away from tequila for that reason, because I tend to get naked when my guard is down. And I like that. I enjoy that. And yeah, it's not something that I've been able to to do very much of just recently with my scene with you. I was able to not be drunk, not be, not have any kind of external influence or, you know, loss of inhibition in any external way and just be. And it was, and it was amazing. And it was so cool and not have to be drunk and not have that excuses. Oh, well, you know, that's just what happens when I drink tequila. No, I actually got to be me and everybody was cool and accepted it. And I, I wasn't, I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel guilt. I felt excitement and it was just really cool. I think that one was actually very important to hear because I, it, it kind of goes with my theory of it's the opposite of the way you were raised. And it's like, I don't want to be constrained by these things that I had when I was younger and I want to branch out from that and do the exact opposite. Okay. So I thought I thought that one was really interesting too. Yeah, see, it, it's interesting for me because I was, it started off as the fact that I just, I have zero shyness about me and my body versus I wasn't raised in a modest household. I mean, I remember seeing seeing my mom undressed a lot as she would get ready about her day. It's not like she walked around the house naked, but so it, it just, I have no modesty. I mean, I'm a, I'm female at birth. I've got boobs. I've got vagina, nothing nobody hasn't seen before. And I just never think about it. And honestly, was for me, what was fascinating is before joining kink, that was one of the myths that I had in my head, that if you were kinky, you walked around naked a lot at these events, you didn't care. Oh, that's interesting. Well, see, this isn't a kink of mine at all. I'm actually a prude. Yeah, but and I don't <laughs> even view it as as the exhibitionism is. I think mine is tied very strongly into being an extrovert. That they go hand in hand. I get my energy from other people, dude. You're like an energy vampire. I am. I really am. In fact, it was so funny. I did a live recently, and somebody had pointed out who had attended the live just how energetic I was. And I said, I wasn't that energetic when I started the live, but having all these people, my extrovert, yep. just just by the time it was done, I was bouncing off walls. Yeah. I took off my corset at a club the other day when I was done demoing for the night and I didn't bother going to the bathroom. I just took it off. But daddy was shielding me and I was up against the wall. So like, that's the introverted extrovert in me. I'm not entirely sure where I am on that spectrum. Another one I wanted to bring up is the cross-dressing kink. That's a good one to talk about. And it's very stigmatized, especially with het men. Oh, yeah. So this one is, for again, for me, I enjoy this kink. But I enjoy it in a, in a humiliation fetish kind of way. So I don't personally cross-dress. I like it when I force my sub to cross-dress essentially against their will. I mean, obviously, they agree to it or I wouldn't be doing it, but it's not the actual act of cross-dressing isn't their kink. If it is their kink, then I kind of lose interest in it. It started in college when a dom I met online had me go somewhere to buy panties. 
I didn't have a particular interest in feminization, but it also wasn't a limit, and I was happy and eager to please her. I bought two pairs of panties, and wow, what a rush I felt looking for them and checking out with them. From there, it slowly evolved into purchasing other women's clothes and trying them on while I masturbated. I got into a handful of online dynamics with others that really focused on feminization and chastity too, which was really a lot of fun for me and helped me embrace the more feminine side of my sub persona. Truthfully, there was a point where I was questioning my gender a bit. I don't want to say I was thinking I was trans, but I felt pretty happy and comfortable dressed and presenting as a woman. It was just a confusing time for me, but I eventually concluded that this was mostly just a kink for me as I don't experience any dysphoria when presenting as a man. At the most, I feel some sort of fluidity, but I'd struggle to say even that with confidence. At this point in life, I don't care about labels at all, so I've just accepted that this is part of me and has no bearing on my presenting gender or anything of that sort. We have one more to talk about. (gasps) Oh, okay, goody. What's this one about? This one is also very interesting. And I think it's also very, very important to discuss. This is figuring out that it's it's not a kink exactly. It's figuring out that you're heteroflexible or even bi. Oh, yeah. Or basically just not Not straight, heteronormative. Not heteronormative. And the example that we have right now is a, is a male who learned that he was heteroflexible. And uh, we've talked about this before. It's more stigmatized for men. Yeah. Well, because men have this fantasy of two women together all the damn time. Mm-hmm. You don't usually hear about women having the fantasy of two men together. Well, I mean, I do. You do. But. And, I, <laughs> and I do know somebody else who has it too. But that seems to be more the exception than the norm. Basically, I, I never thought I was heteroflexible. I mean, growing up, uh, I always thought, you know, homosexuality was like, yuck. You know, uh, I knew people that were, and it didn't bother me that they were, but the thought of it myself was yuck. Yeah, I never thought of myself as heteroflexible up until, or, or, I, or rather, I discovered it accidentally. I was at a party up in Maryland, and I frequently, well, even today, I assist doms in their work because, hey, I'm tall. And I can reach, I can reach and do ties that they can't. And I was assisting a woman that I frequently assisted with one of her bottoms. And the house we were at had a cage and a pillar in the middle. Uh, the bottom she had, we had tied up in there, um, was go- was going to get a happy ending. She asked me to go fetch a condom, and she asked me to put it on. And I was faced with an erect penis in front of me, and. I should have been repulsed considering that I had uh, never thought of homosexuality or homoflexibility before. Started putting the condom on it. I realized, hey, it was a turn on. It was kind of a turn on. I even thought of asking him if he wanted me to uh, put it in my mouth. And at that point, I discovered that uh, I I was heteroflexible, that penises didn't bother me. I'm not attracted to the male body. I frequently play with males and... uh, and it doesn't bother me to touch their penises. But up until that point, if you had asked me, I would have said, no way. It's just something, it was just a, a moment of self-discovery. Okay, so I, I have to confess, I've really enjoyed this episode. Oh, yeah. I, I am fascinated by it. As I mentioned earlier, the degradation humiliation is not my kink, but I'm constantly talking to people and asking questions about it because I want to understand And I have loved listening to these different kinks and how people are trying to wrap their head around it and understand and accept it about themselves. I love 
that we're making it normal that's to my, question. Honestly, that's my favorite thing about the entire series, about the entire podcast, normalizing kinks. And, and normalize questioning them. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's not like, it's not like if you're new to this, it's not like we wake up one morning and go, I have this kinky in me. Let's go do it. <laughs> no. I mean, I do, but other people don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of us, it takes years. <laughs> it just, it's, it is okay to question your kink. It doesn't make you any less kinky. It doesn't make you any less period. So if you have anything that you're not sure and you have difficulty wrapping your head around, it's okay. And please share with us. We love hearing your stories. We love when people share their experiences with us. So if you're on social media and you didn't get the call out for this and you would like to share now that you've maybe heard one that matches or gave you the idea to share yours that we didn't talk about, please share with us. We would love to hear from you. Remember, if you feel this way, the odds are you're not the only one. And a big, huge thank you to everyone who did share their stories with us. We understand how sometimes that can be difficult to admit these things. So whether you did it anonymously, you called in, you shared your name, however you did it. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, thank you. That was amazing. Thank you for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it will be shared in a future episode. Just go to pinkkinkpodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife at the handle Pink Kink Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast and hang out with other pink kinksters. If you love what we do and are able to help support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast. Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. You can also rate and review Pink Kink on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help. Don't forget to subscribe to Pink Kink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.